Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back to an athlete's journey. Pretty much we got a new guest here today, a person that I just recently met, but it was a real good guy, a person that uh, I'm looking forward to hear his story. And once you hear it, you, you will be definitely interested in him, the person, because his, his story and what he does is just uh, perfect for, for former athletes, current athletes, future athletes. You know, it's, it, needs to be, it needs to be told and definitely needs to be heard by the masses. So I definitely wanted to get him, you know, on my show so I can, you know, introduce him and, you know, just get him to everybody. More people, the better. <laughs> well, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? How you doing? I appreciate you, my man. Invite me on this platform. My name is Nick. You know, my government name is Nicholas. But, you know, if I hear that, you know, I look over my shoulder thinking my mom's calling me. <laughs> no, bro. I'm Nick, man. I appreciate it, man. A former athlete, you know, now, you know, business individual trying to just inspire people and just you know um, bridge that gap between athlete and person and not have it separate so again man thank you for this opportunity you know it's much needed and you know hope to just give that that extra push to somebody that, that actually needs it and equip them with the right information so man this is awesome no no thank, thank you like i said thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it and like I said, once I heard your story, I was just like, man, I got to get him on the show, man, because so many people need to hear what he's doing. You know, so many people need to hear what you're doing. Like I said, like not only athletes, but just men in general, you know, right, right. you know, men in general need to hear your, you know, hear what you're doing and hear, hear your story. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to get right into it. You know, how did your journey into uh, football start? It started as a, a young individual, my man, uh, my uncle he was a, a coach for this team in East Palo Alto uh, in the Bay Area uh, called the Batillero Warriors he was the coach and I was about eight nine years old you know not really of age to play with the guys and so he let me be the mascot so I had the <laughs> helmet I had the helmet the shoulder pads the pants came down to my ankles you know I was a football player in my mind but I was a mascot I was about yay high you know, the other cats was like 10 to 12 years old, you know, so I was a little smaller dude out there, the mascot, had everything on, ready to go. That's my first introduction into like real organized sports. I played um, two in touch of my uncles in the street. You know, we had this one game called Over the Top. It was wild, man. We had some wild games back there, Over the Top. So basically what it is, is I'm at the end of the hallway, my uncle's in the middle of the hallway and I have to try to get around them. But over the top, it's a big pillow. I got to jump over the pillow like a Superman. And then obviously they gonna, you know, hand me up. And it was some times where I went through the, uh, through the wall, you know, underneath them, it was, it was crazy. But, you know, that was my introduction to, uh, to sports, man. Over the top and you know, being a mascot for the football team. Okay, wait. <laughs> yeah, over the crazy. top, say yeah. Over, over the, the top, top sounds man. crucial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. it was wild, man. All right. Was there any other uh, sports that you were interested in growing up? Yeah, my first um, actual sport that I played was baseball. Mm -hmm. You know, I was real live in baseball, man. We had the Negro Leagues, man, back in the day. You know, I grew <laughs> up in uh, inner city, you know, so it's predominantly black and Mexican, and so we had the Negro Leagues, and so. Baseball is my first love. I, you know, Ricky Henderson was my favorite player. Mm -hmm. Him still in all the bases. And, you know, I went from baseball from uh, fifth grade all the way into eighth grade. And, you know, I switched schools. You know, once you play baseball, you go from predominantly the Negro Leagues. And I went to this league in Palo Alto, which is a neighboring city next to East Palo Alto. And it was a bunch of, bunch of white dudes, right? So mm -hmm. I switched schools. And, you know, a couple of my buddies were like, man, what you doing playing baseball? 
we play basketball. So it was like, <laughs> you know, do I, you know, I was really good at baseball, but my buddies I was hanging out with, they didn't play baseball. Every time I tried to bring a bat around, they were like, man, here, hit the basketball. So I kind of got peer pressure into playing basketball. I wasn't even good at basketball though. <laughs> I wasn't even good, you know? So I just wanted to be around the buddies. And so I kind of allowed baseball to take a, a back seat. But, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, Bro, you should have stayed with baseball, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I feel the same way. I always feel like, you know, when I was growing up, man, I, I played, uh, you know, basketball, football until I got hit. Yeah, I was tall. I was taller than yeah. kids. So I played wide receiver. And then one of the kids hit me low on my legs. Oh, okay. Basket, basketball it is. Basketball, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, baseball, I, I, I could have stayed. I should have stayed with, but I just, my dad was like, you need to focus on one sport. I'm tired right. of you drive. I'm tired of driving you everywhere. All these different sports. Focus right. on basketball. So, pretty yeah, much, man. you know, that was the case. You know, so uh, yeah, we we had to make life decisions at <laughs> ten and twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, you ain't gonna play all sports. You gonna, right, I'm gonna right. force you to play one. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? So, so what high school did you uh, attend when you you know? And man, out? believe it or not, bro. Um, so it was a neighboring school, and uh, that a lot of my friends went to called Menlo Atherton. Right. <laughs> But I also had some other friends who went to St. Francis. It was a private school in uh, Mountain View. And believe it or not, you know, um, two mutual friends, you know, um, Craig, and we went to school together in high school, Misha, you know, she went to St. Francis High School as well, too. And so it was a, a real unique experience because obviously I came from the um, more inner city, right? More Blacks, Mexicans, you know, um, Polynesians until now a whole new cultural shock into a predominantly, you know, financially wealthy individuals, you know, that pretty much didn't look like me, you know, and it was probably <laughs> like a, it was probably a handful of individuals uh, that was there that came from um, my neighborhood, but that was my introduction to, you know, a different culture, a different way of life. And so uh, it was a unique experience. I had a, a great time, went through my trials there, you know, because I was the first graduating class of the school I went to in eighth grade and entering to high school, teachers are expecting you to write papers, do research. Hey, all we had to do was turn homework in. And we were good, <laughs> you know? So that transition of really understanding what it was like to become a student, study, it took me about a year. So after my freshman year, when they almost kicked me out, you know, cause I had like a 1.7 GPA, I was struggling, man. You know, I, I was struggling. And that's when the sense of, being um, self-reliant was, was bad, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you hold all of that frustration in because you don't know how to direct it. And so I internalized a lot of stuff because, you know, I was afraid to reach out because I, I didn't want to look like the poor kid from East Palo Alto, didn't have a computer. I asked for help. Now, all of a sudden, are you dummy? You, 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 you're a retard now? Yeah. You, know, you know how that stigma goes when you yeah, try to ask yeah. for help as a young yeah. individual and now, you, you know, um, trying to figure out like, how do I become a better student? But once I realized and got some assistance from the teacher, they saw maybe some areas in which I was um, struggling in and trying to figure out, okay, well, like he's not a, um, he's not, it's not like he's not a smart person. He just needs some help and guidance and pointing him in a direction. But once I was able to figure out that, it was cool, man. That's good, that's good. Yeah. What would you say your, your most memorable moment in high school was? Man, my most memorable moment, tell you the truth, in high school was just realizing that I could, you know, pursue, you know, athletics at the collegiate level, mm -hmm. you know, because you all, you hear people talk about it all the time. I don't play college sports. All right. I guess that's like the thing to do. You know, nobody really in your family has went to a four-year school to play college. And so once I got some letters, some coaches called the house and they came by and I was like, yo, this is, this is really finna happen. You know, that was a wonderful experience for me. Just seeing my parents who didn't have the opportunity to go to college, you know, because they had to go, uh, get into the workforce and just seeing their smile on their face, knowing that their kid was like, yo, it was almost as if like they were living through me. And I just embraced every bit of it and just went on for it. And, and so that was like the, the high point of my um, high school career was just knowing that I can play, get an oppor opportunity to do it, and then showcasing it. Okay. 
So what was your first year of college like? And what college oh, did man. you go to, too? Right, right. I went to Fresno State. Okay. I went to okay. Fresno State, the Bulldogs. All right. That, all was right. A, uh, that was a unique experience in itself, too. You know, because uh, being the first individual in my immediate family to go to college away, mm-hmm. that was the first time I spent a summer. We went to Summer Bridge. You know, right. I usually be at the house and between a 10 to 15 mile radius, I can still come back home. Right, right, right. Now right, I'm right. going to college, you know. So now I'm away from mom and dad, away from my friends. And I was like, yo, what did I sign up for? <laughs> you know? <laughs> We had to practice. Um, at that time, NCAA rules were nowhere near like they are now. You know, we went three-a-day practices in the hot heat of Fresno. And I told, I called back at the house. I was like, Mom, hey, I think I made a, a poor decision. I think I'm going to come back home, you know. She was like, boy, no, you ain't going to come back home. They're going to pay for you to go to college. You're going to stay up there. And, you know, so I had a heart-to-heart talk with my mom and, Luckily, man, I, I, I was able to stick, to stick it out. After that first year, that freshman year, you know, I redshirted and kind of had some, uh, some success within the redshirt year. And, you know, I finally was able to hit my stride and realize what I was there to do. And I felt more comfortable within who I was as an individual, knowing that everything was going to be okay. I wasn't going to get beat up or, you know, hazed or, you know, nothing tragic was going to happen because you think the worst when you're away from your family, you know, you're not really sure what to expect, especially when you're sheltered, you know? So that freshman year was kind of, um, it was a struggle, but at the most point, I'm glad I experienced that rare year and it allowed me to um, step into, you know, my ultimate uh, decision was, you know, continue to go full blast with it. Okay. Okay. Well, no, like I was saying, you you know, like that actually actually answered the the next question because it was like, what's the hardest thing about, you know, your college, you know, being in college from high school, what's the biggest difference? Yeah, um, man. Um, to piggyback on that, man, you know, the, the hardest thing was the reality of knowing that you can play. Yeah. But then someone telling you you have to wait so you yeah. can play. Yeah. You know, so those are two things that you really have to come to grips with. <laughs> like, you seeing the individuals that are playing out there, and yeah, they're older, stronger, but in your mind, you're like, I'm a baller. You know, but then the coach saying, you know what, hey, we don't need you right now. So just having to sit with that and like figure out what that actually means. Yeah, that was probably the toughest decision right there. You know, but just a a decision that was out of my hands. They were like, hey, you know what, we're going to give you a scholarship, but we're going to redshirt you this year. And so once you get past that, it's like, okay, well, I'm redshirting, but that don't mean I can't practice. So I made (laughs) I made a point every single day in practice, man, that that was my game. And I made that uh, emphasis to, you know, ultimately lead me to get the scout team player of the year. That was a big award for the, um, for the red shirts. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get that, you know, and I'm going to make them realize like, yo, should I have played him? But ultimately, yeah, you know, in football, it's a lot different. You know, I'm not really sure how it's in basketball, but I can only imagine, you know, coming in as a freshman, yeah. it's going to be some cats that's you thinking you were good in high school. You're averaging 20. That's the, you know, you take two dribbles and, oh, you, you, you can't shoot. You can't get the ball off. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing in football, man. You know, you think you can manhandle somebody next to you, know, somebody just put you in your back. You're like, oh, this is a different game here. No, no. I learned my lesson uh, in practice, obviously, you know, at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I come in. We was the number one recruiting class in the country. You know, me, Baron Davis, Earl Watson, Billy Knight, you know. Uh, okay. Obviously, you know, Baron is the sought after one, right, right. You know, being the number one guard in the country. Earl, you know, Kansas City, he play, they both play in the NBA. But I went against the NBA guy, J.R. Henderson. He was like an All-American. And when I tell you, he used to go to work on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't stop him. He would, yeah. you know, he was bigger. The cup, I thought I was strong, but they, mm-hmm. he would he would catch it, elbow, dunk. Spin, dunk, jump. Right. I'm like, God, I can't stop this guy. You right. know, he was like, you know, come on, Rook. You know, right. and uh, going against him every day in practice, every day, every day, was just like, you know, yeah, my learning, my learning, uh, you know, my learning. Uh, I don't know curve. what to say. Yeah. Curve, my learning curve. Yeah. I didn't think anybody was better than him in college. You know, my first year right. in college, and we played. Uh, you know, Antoine Jameson at Vince Carter in yeah. North Carolina. We played Mike Bibby at Arizona. 
you play tractor trailer at Michigan, uh, you know, you play Duke, you play Kentucky. So yeah, J.R. Henderson, like I said, he was yeah. like unstoppable. I remember that cat. Yeah, I remember that cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know he's from Bakersfield, yeah. but yeah, yeah. He's on, he was unstoppable in college my first year. I was just like, man, I can't guard this dude, dude. Right. <laughs> like, this is this is something else. This is real college. Yeah, this is this yeah. is real. This is real. This is real. Like I said, we we you know, like he was, yeah, like I said, he he, he everything. He could do everything, mm-hmm. you know. All right. Well, you, you you said you started getting some uh some some good progression after your rest of your year. What's right. your greatest what was your greatest triumph in college? My greatest triumph in college was actually, you know, um Throughout my redshirt year, I knew I wanted to play, and I ended up getting hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I shattered my thumb, and I had to wear this huge, humongous, you know, cast. I was probably one of the first individuals that played football um, college at the college level with a huge cast. It was massive, and I was, you know, running around, you know, like my arm was sore because it weighed 20 more pounds than my other arm. You know, <laughs> so just seeing myself actually get out there and producing and seeing that, you know, like, you may, cause you get this like idea of like these bigger schools like Oregon, Nebraska, you know, Michigan State, these cats are like going to be way better than you, you right, know, because right. they go to these schools. But then when you actually play against these guys, you're like, wait a minute, like, okay, they may be taller, they may be faster a little at certain positions though, but for the most part, I mean, they put on their pants just like I put on my pants, you know? So once you get out there and compete and see like, yo, like, I could have been doing this a long time ago. Like, what was I, I was holding myself back mentally, trying to figure out like, how did you um, add up to, you know, this bigger school coming from Fresno and not realizing like, yo, like we got athletes here. It's like, they got athletes there. It's just your whole mentality of looking at it is a little bit skewed. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. That's how I felt when I was overseas, when I would see a guy making $30,000 and I'd be making like seven or eight. Right. Like, how are you making thirty thousand dollars? I'm making yeah. seven. So yeah, I know I, I got you on that one. I understand, definitely understand you on that one. What was the biggest lesson that you learned, you know, uh in college? The biggest lesson that I, I learned, I would say, you know, now looking back, man, and, and just um figuring out like what it takes to be successful, it's understanding how to utilize my time, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. In college, you have a lot of free time, you know, and at that time Madden was out. We had the James Bond. Yeah. You know, so we I playing, remember that. I remember yeah, the both yeah, of those. Man, we were playing James Bond after practice, you know, shooting each other down and going from James Bond to practice, going to school. Really wasn't structured as far as like taking it serious. You know, you right. didn't take it serious when you went on the field. You know, you right. lift the weights, you went in there and every so often, you know, you get a couple of guys that are really strong and or you get a strength coach that was like, hey man, I need to be serious in here. So we had a couple of battles in between who was the strongest, who can run the fastest 40 at each position, you know, but really understanding what it was to like be a real professional in the collegiate level, how to structure your time and, and be accountable for what you do that really is going to be impactful on your success or the lack of success that you don't have, you know, and so it really uh, paid a big difference once I, my, I had to wait to my senior year to figure this out. <laughs> you know, right. But by that time, once you kind of put some things together, it's almost as if like you're playing catch up, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get back to where you were supposed to be and even higher. So just understanding that time is, is of essence and utilize it correctly. No, definitely agree with you on that. My, you know, going to high school, my, I was under lock and thumb by my dad. So uh, learning how to manage time was big in college, you know, mm-hmm. manage what you're supposed to do. Like you said, you know, I remember James Bond and yeah. Madden. And back then it was NCAA college yeah. football. NCAA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I played, I played, I played. Could nobody see me with my air raid offense? I would spread you oh. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Hey, I there was some guys that on team that they, they were so in tune to it. They knew all the intricacies of like, which team was better at this position. And like you said, the air raid, you think you're going to come with Miami or something. They come back with some team that like, how you beat me with this team? Texas tech was always the team. Yeah. Cause like they would Texas play the tech. air raid. Yeah. They would have, you know, they had all bunch of receivers and it was all like yeah. an 80. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, definitely, man. Definitely. So after, after college, you do, you know, you do your years, your, your, your five right. years. 
What what happens next? Man, tell you the truth, I thought I was gonna get drafted, bro. I thought I was gonna get drafted. I had a, um, a whole cool career. Uh, draft day come, mom's store party. Yeah. Everybody come to the house. You know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna go. I went to the, I got invited to the combine. Went to the combine and uh-huh, uh-huh. played an East West Shrine game. And you know, oh, I was like, yo, okay. this is serious. Yeah, I'm gonna go. You know, right. Um, had some good um, tidbits of individuals telling me like, yo, you know, possibly third, fourth round. And man, that draft day came seventh round, you know, they call. And man, I, this is crazy. I don't know if I told anybody this, but, <laughs> you know, um, the Cincinnati Bengals call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was hot. Man, I saw the phone ring. Man, I ain't pick it, man. But, man, y'all should have picked me a couple of uh, picks to go. Hey, that was wild, huh? Yeah, I, yeah. now I look back on it. They called, man. The Cincinnati Bengals actually called, bro. I let the phone just go to, like, they didn't call no more. And it said, dun, 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 dun. they picked another defensive end. Oh. You know, so, yeah, yeah. It was wild. And so um, after the draft was over, free agency, I got some calls and, you know, I uh, had the opportunity to go to Tennessee. Uh, with the Titans, you know, up with uh, McNair and Eddie George and, you know, Javon Curse at that time. So it was pretty nice. Right, 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 right. Uh, spent the uh, the summer there and then ultimately ended up um, finishing my career with uh, the St. Louis Rams. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so you was about to get drafted. He was like, man, y'all should have picked me in the second round. I ain't picked up before. I was so mad, man, because one, it was the embarrassment of having people over there and nothing happened. Right. Having having people party, food, laugh, and of course they were there to support, right? And mm-hmm. so regardless mm-hmm. of how they got drafted or not, they would have still been there. But again, you playing the scenario in your head of what their the expectation is, and now you have to explain to them you ain't get drafted. Now you got to sit with like, yo, I thought I was, but I guess I'm not that you know good. And so. I had to sit with that. I didn't answer the phone. And so I was like, I'm, I'm good, man. You know, I'm going to make it happen this way, you know, and, you know, God blessed me with three years and, you know, I was able to um, find some good relationships and learn about being a professional and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's a life. Mm-hmm. It's totally different in college. And I had to learn that the hard way, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. No, 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 definitely, yeah. definitely. So you did three years, uh, obviously playing in the NFL. Yeah. Um, after, after your three years, uh, you know, you're trying to make, you start to make that transition. Right, right. So based on your experience of playing in the NFL for those three years, what would be the, the best advice for the next generation of, you know, people like yourself? Well, individuals who are um, looking to uh, pursue their career in any athletics, whether NFL or basketball, man, and especially NFL, it's not gonna last for long. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to treat it as a business the um, job itself of playing football as a business, but also treat yourself as a business. Like how do you operate individually and what you put out there, that's what you represent. You know, you represent yourself and how you structure your day and how you care for your body and what it takes to be a professional. Like that's important, you know, because ultimately you can take those skill sets with you after you decide to stop playing. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. So after those three years, did you know it was over? Did you know, like, you know, how did it, I guess, how did it end? So it, oh man, it's wild. See, I, it, I, I had some wild stuff, man, before the draft even started. During the course of me playing those three years. Yep. So I made a transition from, uh, I played defensive end at, at St. Louis. Okay. And okay. they drafted a defensive end from Georgia Tech. Okay. And we had we had Leonard Little at the time and Grant Wistrom, you know, some veterans. And I was like, yo, like, well, if they drafted the end, that, that means it's one, two. And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I started seeing my, my reps go down in my mind. And then we start, he comes to practice. We started doing some OTAs. Right, training. right, right. right. And I was like, man, well, I used to get some reps, but now all of a sudden I'm not getting no reps. You know, so I was like, this ain't looking too cool. And by the grace of God, man, I had that, like I said, I played baseball basketball I just ran up and down the court in basketball you know like I said I got a couple of rebounds but I switched to offense so I played tight end okay okay yeah okay. so I played tight end and was able to um relearn a whole new playbook and position and 
just trying to uh, figure that part out because on defense, you just line up and go. Right. Offense, right, right. you kind of got to like think, know, you know, so you had to put all those components together. So once I figured that part out, played offense, played tight end, um, training camp is about to end. Well, OT is about to end mm-hmm. going into the summer. And then you come back for uh, summer workouts for training camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I made about 99% of the practices. The day, I missed one day, the last day. Right. I missed the last day of OTA practice. And it wasn't everybody. It was just like some rookies, um, maybe first one or two year uh, veterans. And so it was pretty much the, like the, they were all rookies basically. Yeah. You know, even though you had one or two years, you're still a rookie regardless. I don't care. You know. Right, 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 right. They were still trying to get a roster spot too. I missed one day of practice. I'm good. I've been 99%. You know, they got the poster on the wall. I got my name on there at 99% club. I'm doing good. I'm coming back. I'm putting a ball because I was smashing people in the uh, OTAs. Mm-hmm. Got a good review from the coaching staff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back summer. Oh, I'm going to give me the spot. <laughs> I missed one day of practice, man. Go home, work out, chill with family. Come back for summer training camp. I come back a day early. Training camp started on Tuesday. I come back on Monday. I got cut that Monday. Wow. Yeah, it was wild. And I rewinded and I was like, oh, <laughs> I missed one day before I left. I got cut one day before the training camp. And I was like, you know, nobody else has to tell you why exactly you got cut. You know exactly why you got cut. Right, you know, right, so right, right, right. you did it to yourself. And, you know, I had to live with that. A memory I would never forget, you know, but ultimately, once I um, got released, had a couple of trials with, you know, the Broncos and the Raiders. And, you know, I had the opportunity to go play for the uh, Centurions. And we were in training camp in Florida, meeting some guys that I never uh, met before and just getting um, acclimated. And I was like, man, listen, this, I, I think it's something else out there, you know, that God wanted me to do. And at that time, you know, it was like, do you really want to do that? You know, I had a son and, you know, um, playing, I was in St. Louis there in California it wasn't like I got to see them on a consistent basis. And mm-hmm. so me going mm-hmm. to Florida again, I was like, yo, like something kept pulling me in, the, in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. you sure you want to do this? And I was talking to myself like, no, I want, I, you know, I, I want to be a player. You know, I want to prove that I can play. But then something was telling me like, yo, like I'm trying to point <laughs> you in a different direction, but you're not really trying to, you're not really trying to hear me. And then ultimately I made, I was like, you know what? I walked in and was like, hey coach, I think I want to, um, I want to quit, you know, I, I can, I get a plane ticket back to the house. And he was like, what, you know, we flew you all the way out here. And I'm thinking like, bro, like you act like I knew that this was going to happen to me. You know, you know, like I had these thoughts, I thought I was going to play, but ultimately, you know, God was moving me in a different direction. I just didn't recognize it at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's when you knew it. That's when you knew it was time to kind of hang it up. You know, yeah. it was like, okay. Okay, I was, I was wondering, like, you know. Yeah, because it wasn't like I wasn't having success. I was I was balling out there. Like, I, I can tell you, like, when I was balling, when I was sucking, but I was a wrecking shop out there. So I was like, I'm going to go over here and kill this um, NFL Europe. And so I was like, man, what should I do? You know, so I contemplated, like, is this the right thing to do? And, I, you know, it was nights, nice, but, you know, I just, like, stood up and I was like, man, all right. Regardless of what they say, I'm going to go do it. And you know, uh, we are here. We are today. You know, I hate, you. I hate, you. man. That's crazy, man. That's a heck of a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you're back home, right, right? After you, you know, pretty much, you know, hang it up. Um, what was your transition like? You know, from trying to figure out how old are you at this time? I was uh 25. Wow. I was 25 okay. at that time. And you got to make a transition from, you know, right. athlete to whatever's next. Yeah. So how, you know, how was that? How was that? That was tough. That's when I started the initial process of becoming who I am today. Um, it took years in between that because I'm 41 now. And so it took years for me to get to this um, point. But that was the initial phase. Mm-hmm. 25 years old. You're still in your prime. You're still working out. You know, I weigh the same now as I did then, you know, but obviously I'm a, I was a lot younger. 
and mm-hmm. you know I was a lot stronger you know but um sitting there like yo seeing cats that you play with and are still in the league you're like man this dude was garbage then you know <laughs> and now you now you're playing the comparison game like what what did he do what did I do you know you're starting to feel sorry for yourself and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. trying to figure out what job do you do so now you're like well do I go back to school don't I go back to school you know how do you fill out a resume now you know because you didn't you don't think about these things no, you know when no, you're playing no, you don't think no, about no what what to leave out on a resume what to put on a resume who to turn it in you know i didn't even have a computer at that time you know i was right. just living in an apartment and trying to figure out like what's my next move and hopefully a phone call will come uh the phone calls didn't come and so that really uh allowed reality to sit in like yo like this is it you know you can call your agent you can try to fire them i mean you can try to get another agent but ultimately like this is going to be what you make of it you know and so mm-hmm. it, it was tough man just sitting with that reality because that whole identity of becoming an nfl player was that's who i thought i actually was like no, yeah, that's yeah. what i lived up to you know but now to actually not see it happen in the way that i wanted it to happen you know that that took some re- real humbling you know um soul searching at that time and you know it, it, it was tough i picked up drinking you know, that was the start of um, what led to me uh, becoming a full-fledged alcoholic, you know, later in my life, you know, but those were the beginning uh, stages in its infancy form of self-internalizing, not knowing how to process, not knowing how to reach out, not knowing how to navigate this new world that you hear about it, but you don't think it's going to happen to you until you're actually swimming in the deep end. And now you're trying to figure out, oh, anybody going to help me? Because when you're an athlete, you know, you had people, oh, you know, do this, do this, do that. Yeah, but now, yeah, you know, yeah. after the, you know, once the whistle stops blowing and, you know, you're not in the limelight or the league anymore. Now you're like, you're just a regular person. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, man, can I tell you, man, that your whole story, like, is it's, it sounds like eerily similar to mine, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, granted, I played a little bit longer, but like in the middle of my 10 years, I missed a year because I got hurt. I had a stress fracture in both my shins mm-hmm. around, around the same age, around 26, mm-hmm. uh, 25. I actually had surgery and then they put a steel rod in my plate, uh, still okay. rod in my leg. And I, you know, I came back early cause the team was like pressuring me to get back. Yeah. Um, and after that, you know, like I played the rest of that year, I say I missed like three months, four months. Then I played the rest of that year. And then I played another year and then they just kept hurting and I mm-hmm. overcompensated that my other shin needed surgery. Yeah. Right. So after that, I was like, okay, they, they took out the plate. They put, I mean, took out the rod. They put two plates in both my shins. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I rehab, you know, rehab, rehab, rehab. And then I want to say like two weeks before I signed a contract, I signed a contract. I'm playing pickup just to get in shape. Uh, you know, I get kicked in the shin. And it crack, yeah, it cracks my shin all the way down to the to the like uh, basically almost cracks in half. Wow. Yeah. So like the the doctors like, well, we can't give you surgery because you already had it, you know. So only thing you got to do is just wait till the bone heals. And I was like, that. How long was that going to take? She said, four to eight months. <laughs> I said, oh, four to eight. Right. Yeah. The season right, just right. started. You know what I'm saying? Just started. Like, yeah. What you talking about? What you talking about? Yeah. Like I'm about, I'm about to literally go in two weeks. He was like. Unless the team is going to take you hurt, you ain't going nowhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, that was like, I was about 26, 27 at the time. Right. You know, and uh, luckily, like I said, the money just wasn't the same, but I did get a chance to play. Right. But after I retired, you, like you said, it was the drinking, you know. Mm-hmm. Just everybody wonder how athletes become, you know, getting the sure. substance abuse or, or, you know, drinking a drug, whatever. Right. It's because that high, you know, that high, yeah. that, that that professional athlete, because we're at that point, point, point zero zero percent of making right. it. And after you don't, it's that drug that we don't know how to, there's nothing to, right. you know, satisfy it. Yeah. You know? It's always like you need that, that fix to feel like yeah. normal. And, yeah. and for me, yeah. that yeah. It, it, it was a process of um, all on the weekend, you know, this is what we do this is how we hang out socialize. And it became a, a normalcy for me. You know, it was able, my ability to function, 
Um, I came more alive, you know, in my mind, I thought, you know, but ultimately I was just suppressing feelings of not knowing how to, you know, um, understand who I was at that time, you know, not trying to figure out like, are you a father? You know, you never really had that, your biological father in my life. I had, you know, my um, stepfather who did a, an, an amazing job, but there was still some unanswered um, questions that I had that I wasn't able to answer or have answered because my dad passed away. And so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know, went to a great friend, which became alcohol. You know, it really consoled me at that time of not knowing how to reach out, not knowing what it was going to look like, and just trying to figure a lot of stuff out. And a lot of things were uh, resurfacing in my mind. I was playing them over, coming up with my own scenarios. <laughs> um, you know, eventually, you know, it led to me, you know, ultimately almost um, uh, into my life, you know, uh, because of my uh, inability to get a grip of, you know, what was impacting me and stepping away from what I thought was pleasure, but ultimately was leading me down a, a different path. Wow, man, deep. Like I said, man, super deep. Okay, so what is what 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 turned your life around? What was your passion that you found that, that gave you grace, you know? Yeah. And so it happened in July, man, of um, 2000, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working with the Department of Corrections. I was a correctional officer at San Quentin State Prison, you know, for 13 years. You was years. a correctional officer at San Quentin? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I started that in 08. And uh, I just recently um, retired. Uh, after 13 years and so in 2017 you know that was uh, full-fledged I was just getting um in the early stage of uh, getting a divorce um you know just trying to figure out how do you navigate this thing you know because I had a lot of things that were bottled up and I the alcohol just soothed it mm-hmm. made me feel better you know I didn't even have to process it because I knew I would go to work come home get something to drink and so that became my routine. I go to work, come home, get something to drink, and I didn't even have to think. I just kind of like shut off. And so what ultimately happened was I got up one day and went to work, and I was like, yo, like, why am I sweating? Like, and I went to the bath and I was just dripping with sweat. And I was like, yo, if I can see it, I know everybody else can see it, you know. But I came and they were smelling like a whole brewery, man. I used to do the 750, uh, the big boys a day, like one a day, like 15 bucks a day, you know, just going crazy. And one day, man, it was, I was in my mom's house on the floor. My daughter, she was about um, five at, no, she was about six at that time. And so I just remember me being on the floor, like sick as a dog, like sick as a dog, man. And she's coming over to console me. And I, you know, I couldn't like even think. I knew it was her because I can feel her small hands. And I was like, I'll come play with you later. And I just knocked out and my mom took me to the hospital. Um, it was a crazy ride, you know, because I was just going in and out of pains of just trying to figure out like, man, I just stop at the liquor store right here. You know, I know it would make me feel better. And she was like, no, we're gonna get you to the uh, uh, emergency room. And so we ended up going to the emergency room. I go into a, uh, a room and the, the nurse comes in and she's like, is this your daughter? Cause it was just three of us, my mom, me and my daughter. And she goes in to tell me the story about how, you know, her father was alcoholic and, you know, she had this horrible relationship with, you know, with um, her father, but just the other guys that she came into contact with mm-hmm. because of that lack of guidance. And she was like, no, you don't want this for her. And I just sit there like, Oh man, I guess I don't, you know, because she's telling me the story. I'm seeing her <clears throat> mom's crying and a doctor comes in, man, a black doctor. He wasn't my doctor. I had a, another doctor that was going to, he was literally walking in with the, um, the pamphlet, like, are you Mr. Burley? And the black dude would come in and was like, I got this. He sent my guy out. He shuts the, um, the curtain. It was like, shh. I'm sitting there like, oh man, what's gonna happen? You know, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I don't, I don't really know, you know? And he was like, it's your family right here. You know, you have people here who are concerned about you. You have a young daughter. If you die right now, how would she benefit from it? 
she's gonna come up living, having a whole bunch of questions that aren't gonna get answered. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. gonna get with individuals who she thinks has her best interest and she's mm-hmm. gonna get used. I see it countless and countless times every time somebody comes in here, same story. I'm telling you, because you look like me, you need to change. And from that day on, I made a decision like, yo, I talked to God, I was like, hey, check this out. If you allow me to survive this, I'll do everything in my power to learn, to empower myself, to trust you more with my life instead of trying to put my hands on things and manipulate the outcome, Mm -hmm. trust you more and I'm ready to go. So from that day on in the hospital, I made a complete turn and been full pedal to the metal ever since. Man, that's yeah. a that's a straight blessing, man. I tell you that it's a straight blessing. I I tell you, you know, you know, living in certain situations and kind of yeah. going through certain stuff, it's like amazing right. to hear people like yourself who go through similar situations. You know, I never had to go to the hospital or anything like that, but I remember one day I was. Uh, you know, full discretion. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> first time I've ever said this on on air. I was a security guard. You know, yeah. and uh, I remember. You know, my shift was like, I don't know, like like eleven to six. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like I was, I usually would, all right, eleven to six or eleven to seven. I would leave at like six, mm-hmm. <laughs> go get a drink, and then go yeah. home. Right. You know, and then like you know, clean myself up you know, yeah. whatever, put some spray or whatever in my mouth. Right. And I remember like one day I was just sitting drinking and I'm, you know, and I'm just like, you know, damn, is this, is this it for me? Like, is this right, really right. it? You know, I had mm-hmm. gained a lot of weight. I had, yeah. you know, just lost myself, you know? Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I was just like, man, you know, I don't want this to be the end of me, you know? Right, right. And so like after that, you know, the next day, uh, well, that same day, you know, I got a call from like Enterprise at the time. Yeah. And they basically was like, we want to hire you, you know? And I quit that security job yeah. <laughs> that morning. Yeah, yeah. That morning. Like, <laughs> that I'm morning. Good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And I will never, ever, ever come back. She was like, well, if you if you quit, you won't never ever come back. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Burn yeah. these yeah. clothes yeah. and you yeah. will Burn never see clothes. me again. Yeah. You'll never see me again. <laughs> I didn't want him in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want him in the first place. And so, you know, after that, uh, you know, I started getting like, you know, I was with them and then another job, kind of better jobs mm-hmm. to what the one I'm with now. And uh, man, it's just, it's been a crazy ride ever since, right. you know, retirement, you yeah. know, uh, both good and bad. So like I said, it's been a blessing, you know, oh, yeah. um, you know, definitely been a blessing to make definitely. it where I'm at. It might've cost me, you know, my ex-fiance, you know, yeah. uh, but that's okay. You know, like I think right, right. It's, it's a situation where I've continued to grow myself. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I got up to 300 pounds, man. Like I was fat, eating all <laughs> kind of crazy stuff. And so yep. you know, prior to the show, you know, we were talking about, you know, me making that transition from um, eating a regular, you know, American diet to now I'm a vegetarian. And so um, I was taking high blood pressure pills Mm-hmm. drinking crazy and eating crazy, you know? So I had like the trifecta of like, ultimately, you know, you finna die, <laughs> you know? So I, I had everything, you know, I was like at 99 yeah. at every level, you know? So no, no, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, hey man, this is what I'm finna do. I was like, hey, I'm finna stop taking the blood pressure medication. Yep. I'm finna become a vegetarian mm-hmm. and I'm finna stop drinking. The guy was like, all right, you serious? But it was it was horrible. It was horrible because you know when you become a full fledged alcoholic, your body gets used to that substance to try to function. And so by not drinking, I had pains. It was like I, my mobility was uh, questionable. You know, so I had to relearn how to balance myself without that extra fluid that was ultimately killing myself. And right. so once I was able to understand what the food um, does to you and how it attacks your overall ability to live and survive. On top of that, you know, why was I taking the blood pressure p- pills? Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was just masking a Band-Aid over a 
underlining root problem that was ultimately the reason why I have a high blood pressure. It was I was eating bad food, right, but right, drinking, right. you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. I was able to put those two and three things together, I was like, yeah, I'm going to ride this out. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here we are a year, man, four years clean, you know, no um, alcohol. You know, that was my, my drug of choice was alcohol. You know, um, vegetarian, man, and I'm healthy, man. I'm at a, a great weight. I was at my, my college weight. You know, so, I, you know, I'm living a good life, man. You know, thank God, man. No, no, definitely a blessing, man. Definitely a blessing. Uh, last question for you, you know, um, at every point, like I said, of, of our life career, you know, we get to low points. And when you were at your low point, you kind of already explained it. Uh, you know, I think I think I know the answer, you know, because you talked about, you know, your daughter and, you know, just mm-hmm. what you were doing. How did you get out of it? But pretty much, like I said, I think you answered the question already, yeah. you know, with the, but you just talked to God and then like you just changed mm-hmm. your life, which is amazing, man. Mm-hmm. Which was, like I said, your journey yeah. is crazy. Like I said, you're the first professional football dude said nah on my draft day no yeah, yeah I was like no man that's how you go down in history man <laughs> I gotta be man I gotta be straight up <laughs> so like I said want to say thank you Nick man I appreciate you coming on your show man coming on my show man like I said I've you know learning so much like man you, your story is like a mirror or something you know what I'm saying like it's real like a mirror to me right. um well like I said give the fans where they can reach you out what you're doing now everything just go ahead yeah so you know if you're on instagram man my my name is nicholas burley one my full government name nicholas with a h <laughs> you know not a not a k n-i-c-h-o-l-a-s burley one um my email is nburley one at gmail.com and pretty much you know what i'm involved in now i worked with a uh, department of corrections at san quentin state prison for 13 years and throughout that 13 years that last four years from 2017 until now um I had a, you know, a change of direction, you know, God was really uh, working inside me, trying to um, build me up to the person that I am now. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, you know, like you wanted to coach, mm-hmm. I dabbled into, you know, coaching athletics. And I was like, no, there's a bigger purpose for you. You know, it's not just coaching athletics. And I started to realize like, yo, like, I'm not the only person who have experienced this. I know if I decide to put this out there and I started doing each individual um, Instagram post about my journey through recovery, you know, so I started with day one and, you know, I got some really cool likes. At first I was kind of, there was some hesitancy there, you know, because you don't really know the feedback as far as the department and what the job is going to, you know, think. But ultimately as time went on, I started to become more comfortable about it. Mm -hmm. Then I started to um, learn more about who I was, the individual, what my likes and dislikes were, what led me to drink, and what was the ultimate goal of me trying to recover and to become the person I am now. And now I'm involved with just helping people, you know, athletes, businesses, um, teams, you know, just overall personal development on how to make that transition in life and not allow it to, you know, be this disclaimer of like, oh, of uncertainty. Like there's a lot of uncertainty that we live with on a day-to-day basis, but we normalize it and make it become our own, but not realizing like, yo, there's a bigger meaning besides you just going to work and collecting a check. And I wanna be as impactful as I can in the space that I'm allowed to be, you know, and hopefully allow somebody to meet with them where they're at and be like, hey, you know what? I need to make some changes within myself that's mm-hmm. because I know it's gonna impact my family Mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. I be able to make that change, who else can I impact? Who else can I help? Who else can I get past that hurdle of becoming the person they need to become? Nah, man. This, yeah, I hear you. But like I said, I think that like your what you what you're talking about, your journey, your story, your journey needs to be told to the masses. Um, and a lot of people can use that, you know, words of affirmation, man. It's just it's just a big thing. You know, I think uh you making it to the mountaintop of the NFL. Is like a good like life lesson. Like you can make it to the top and still be, you know, hit the bottom and then raise back up. You know, mm-hmm. it's always like you know, it's not how how hard you get hit. Is if you keep getting up and moving forward. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's about evolution, man. Progress, yeah. man. Never, no one ever reaches the the pinnacle. You know, it's always about progression. You know, because if you have your eyes set on being perfect, 
you're gonna always fail, you know. Yep. So it's always improvement. You know, I have a thing is, you know, being one and zero today. You know, can I win today? You know, and it comes from being in the AA program and just learning how how to win the day. And so if I know I can put some pieces together, put a good plan together, if I win today, I don't need to worry about what's gonna happen next week, next month, because mm-hmm. no one knows. I don't, why why do I need to put that much pressure on myself <laughs> and, just, and just enjoy the experience that God's allowed me to have today and make the best of that? No, but definitely agree with you. Definitely agree with you. Well, I want to say thank you again for listening uh, to Try Retreat and Athlete's Journey. Uh, like I said, uh, please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, definitely, like I said, my boy Nick, his his story is like just off the chain, man. It just, it's like looking to a mirror, just in a different kind of mirror, man. Like, I really appreciate you coming on, Nick, to the show and giving the world your knowledge, man. Like I said, hopefully get you back on here again. Oh yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank you again for this, uh, allowing us for this platform, man. And I know it's going to feed a lot of people depending on what stage you're at in life, man. Anybody can take away some good knowledge and put it to work in their life. So thank you no, again, man. Appreciate it. No, no problem, Nick. Like I said, I appreciate it. Thank you. Like I said, like, share, subscribe, and Athlete's Journey on the Believe Network. Like I said, we'll see you again real soon. Yes, sir. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube